brute force. If it doesn't work, you're just not using enough. You're listening to Software Radio, special operations military news, and straight talk with the guys in the community. Prep Radio, on time, on target. Ricky Poe's in studio with us. The, the funny thing that I have to tell you guys is, so I've known Ricky for like a few years now, just from like working out at UFC Gym in New Hyde Park, and you, just I've gotten into discussions about your background and, and into what I do, and for a while I've been like, I gotta just get you on the podcast to talk about all this, and every time you're like, no, 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 no I'm good, and I don't know how, somehow I've finally convinced you to come here after like two years, so for the first time on the show in studio with us, Ricky Poe, uh, Army Level 4 Combative Instructor, which is the highest you can go, as you were telling me, now currently New York City Police Officer, and uh, yeah, man, excited to have you here. It's it's cool to just finally do this. Well, thank you to, uh, for having me here. Actually, <laughs> I, I think the first thing that would be cool to get into is what drove you to join the army in the first place, and and you know what did you want to do when when you became a member of the army? It's it's funny because uh, you know looking back at you know like shoot like fifteen years ago, uh, you know it's uh, I was a complete different me. You know, and I always believe that there's like, you know, awakening and um, even, you know, I, I joined because of 9-11, you know, and the, the the funny part about that is that I was never that type of guy. I grew up in Long Island, you know, especially being an Asian, having an Asian culture. Your parents don't want you to be like a, either a doctor, accountant, or, you know, <laughs> a nurse or something like that. So it's always like a disgrace for you to like join the army. But um, so funny you know, it's not funny, but, you know, just to look at, you know, how 9-11 affected, you know, everybody uh, around the world, you know, and especially in New York, um, you know, going back to where I was, I was, you know, in college, you know, borderline metro <laughs> type of guy, <laughs> you know, does pedicures and stuff like that. Never, you know, did laundry in my life before. And uh, all of a sudden, you know, in a blink of the eye, you know, New York City was an attack. You know, watching Tower fall and um, just having that fear of uh, being being a number, being a casualty, you know, just and then it was the, that awakening to me, you know, and, you know, when I was a drill, uh, I was a drill, drill sergeant as well. And I always preached that to, to my guys. I was like, you know, everybody has an awakening. You know, your, your goals of joining the military now can change from, you know, from basic training that that 10 weeks nine to 10 weeks of basic training, you know, and just to see what these trainings are for. And um, so my awakening was that I wasn't able to fight. If so, I was, you know, I'll be another person, you know, dead. You know, so it's like, to me, I'm like, you know, what if there's an invasion and all that stuff? And every time I go back to, you know, the World Trade Center, um, I used to have that fear of just remembering that 
that moment that I could, I wasn't capable of fighting, you know? Mm-hmm. So it's, that's the, that's my moment. So, um, so that, yeah, I, I then signed up, uh, you know, to be, well, my, my buddy actually, Ryan, he's an army ranger. They call him the lawyer. Um, he wanted to be an airborne ranger. I said, Hey, I want to progress in something that's, you know, more into law enforcement. And, uh, I joined the military police. Um, then I got shipped out, uh, <laughs> They forced me to eat really fast. <laughs> I wasn't, I wasn't, uh, you know, uh, able to, and I was starving for past, you know, you know, first like three, three, four days, and drill sergeants are screaming at you. I had like mashed potatoes all over my uniform. <laughs> you know, I was like this. And I'm like, you know, I still got a taste of it. It was fine. It was fine. And then, um, and uh, almost quit basic training because uh, they have something called Nick at Night. Are you familiar with? Because I wouldn't uh, know. So it's a night infiltration course. So that's what it stands for. And, um, oh, where they shoot a, yeah, M60s mach- yeah, over your head. Machine guns and stuff over your head. They usually shoot like six, six feet over, over uh, even on st- when you're standing. They're basically 12 feet. They're shooting over. And you have like the, you know, barbed wires and, you know, simulated explosions. And um, so that was like the first time I was exposed to like, you know, just you know, being on the other side where there's bullets flying around and, you know, explosion, you kind of like shook up. You're, you know, remember, I'm just from New York City, you know, never been exposed to anything like that. And, you know, just froze up a little bit. And then uh, my, my buddy, my battle buddy, you know, he, he shook me up and he's like, hey, Paul, listen, look, come on, we could do this together. You know, we, we're, all, we all, we're almost there. Let's go, let's go. And then just slowly crawled, 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 and then we finished. Uh, but that was one of my moments that I I, uh, I froze a little bit, and then I made it, you know. And then uh, ever since then, it was just fun from there. It's just you know slowly progress, slowly learning from mistakes, and I always I always learn from. Uh, I always say that you learn from leaders, good leaders or bad leaders. You learn from both of them. And ever since then, I became you know progressed in the in the ranks as an NCO, a sergeant, and then you know deployed. And then, uh, and I don't know. I just want to sum everything up. Uh, yeah, don't get into, we'll get into everything. <laughs> yeah, cool. so deployed, uh, went to Iraq, worked uh, worked with the PTT uh, PPT police tra- uh, well, PTT police transition teams with the Iraqi uh, like the pit teams. Yeah, the pit teams. Uh, so the military police, uh, we uh, we were working with the Iraqi police and a little bit with the Iraqi army as well. And then uh, did a lot of recruitments with the um, Sons of Iraq, the SOIs. They all had like AKs with flip flops on. It was it was it was uh, it was definitely uh, fun to watch. And then uh, I did some human uh, human intelligence uh, gathering, and uh, came back, and then pursued in you know being a drill sergeant. And then you know they found out I had some martial art background. And they wanted me to go into what we call MACP, which is the Army, uh, Army Mo- Modern Army Combatives Program. Um, that and a little bit of uh, Special Operation Combatives Program, which is SOC-P as well. And, um, you know, my Sergeant Major Valen told me to compete in this uh, all-Army Combatives thing. And, uh, you know, having a little bit of jiu-jitsu background and MMA background, I kind of you know, dominate my weight class. <laughs> and ever since then, um, you know, they wanted me to do the combatives program, ran the combatives program, 
and then you know became level four, worked with the level four guys, uh, did some doctrine with them uh, at Fort Benning Fight House, mm-hmm. and sorry, fight school because they they think fight house is uh, is it, not a good word. You know, they think it's a whole bunch of you know. Uh, scuffy dudes, you know, all dirty and sweaty, you know, in a backyard wrestling type of, you know. The, like a Fort Benning fight school for excellence yeah. or something like that. Yeah, they got to yeah, church it they up. Had to, they had to, you know, tone it down a bit. But I uh, worked with, you know, great people. Um, we even worked with a couple of uh, guys from, like, Captain Career Course from other countries. Uh, I didn't realize I was, like, choking out a... Uh, Thai prince, you know, <laughs> his four bodyguards was pretty pissed off. <laughs> and uh, yeah, and then, you know, ever since then, after afterwards, got out and um, joined the police force. Um, big transition, big transition, yeah. um, you know, de- defending. Freedom. And which is relatively new for you, right? I mean, because yes, when I first yes, met yes. you, you weren't an officer. Yes. Um, um, January will make uh, three years at the New York City Police Department. Uh, it's a great, great department, you know, uh, uh, a lot of diversity and uh, a lot of ch- obviously changes in, in for me to, you know, adapt to uh, um, not a military to a somewhat a paramilitary, uh, you know, organization. Uh, but everything else is, you know, pretty much similar, you know, the rank and the chain of commands and, you know, the responsibilities. So, yeah. That's pretty much. So what was your, uh, how did you get involved in martial arts then? Because it sounds like that kind of bled into your military career. Also. Yeah, it's, uh, so it's funny how you mentioned that. Like I said, it's, um, I do have a uh, martial art background. It was actually uh, more of Muay Thai and, um, and Taekwondo. And um, it's funny, you know, and I did karate for a little bit, but, you know, being so traditional Chinese, you know, my family was like, oh, you're learning Japanese arts. You're not allowed to do that. You know, <laughs> Japanese are, are bad, you know. And I'm like, whoa, whoa, I'm American. Listen, you know, like, yeah. I don't know anything about what, you know, you guys gone through. But, you know. <laughs> There's some bitterness yeah. about uh, the war. Yeah. So they were like, yeah, they used to chop off heads and stuff like that and kidnapping, you know. And, and you know, even in Malaysia, apparently. So I was like, whoa, you know, being young i didn't know so we didn't i was like okay i'll avoid i'll avoid japanese you know martial arts and stuff like that and did taekwondo you know <laughs> and a uh, little bit of taekwondo a little bit of hapkido um and kind of like the discipline aspect of it you know learning how to kick learning how to you know uh, love the kicking part and then transitioned from that to like muay thai uh, my cousin studied muay thai so you know used to do a lot of pad works uh, teaching me how to kick, so it's a little different from if you know martial arts. Uh, taekwondo is a little more stiffer in 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 its kick versus uh, 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 where um, Muay Thai is a little more. Usually, some people think it's the opposite, but if you look at Taekwondo, their their kicks are a little more stiffer uh, when it comes to you know throwing it versus in Muay Thai, they throw through it. It's it's I don't know how a little more I guess a little more snappier when it comes to Taekwondo where in in Muay Thai and even uh, Badawsuri which is uh, Cambodian style um, just a different name same very very similar uh, they kick through and then they push off so it's um, it's 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 not a snappy stiff type of you know martial art 
And then from there, uh, got introduced to like wrestling, American wrestling. Uh, grappling was like a whole new new thing to me, and I just fell in love. You like uh, high school wrestling kind of? Uh, is that what you mean when you say that? No, when, uh, when I'm wrestling with soldiers, uh, you know, in the combatants. Oh, thing. oh, I, yeah. I got you. So it's uh, you know, obviously, um, I, I then realized it because you know, being a New Yorker, you're just like everything is just New York. If not, you're not American. You know <laughs> that type of you know mentality. You know, you know, got introduced to like grits, and I'm like, what the hell is that? Yeah, you know. Yeah. <laughs> but like you know, um, yeah, it's funny because like I, I still remember that. And ever since then, I'm like, man, I, I miss grits. <laughs> you know, or uh, um, biscuits thing. and gravy. Yeah, that and. Um, you know, yeah, the the biscuits with uh, the beef gravy, yeah, yeah. You know, the de facto type of food, yeah. Uh, over the eggs now, I'm you know being a little more creative. You know, going outside my <laughs> my comfort zone, and uh, and jambalaya. I never had jambalaya until I had an MRE. I was like, what the, what the hell is this? You the know? other thing about that mystified me was uh, was uh, smokeless tobacco. And really? People dipping. I never, oh, dipping. Yeah, I never, dipping. I never, oh I never saw anybody dipping. I grew up in New York. I never. Yeah. Nobody dips. Yeah, nobody. Yeah, I was like, what is dipping? Well, I saw some uh, you know, when I was watching baseball. You know, when I was younger. I was the like, chewing tobacco. Yeah, the chewing. Yeah. You know, and then everybody started dipping. I'm like, I tried it and got a headache from it, and they were all laughing and shit like that. But excuse me, can I say? Oh yeah, you can can say that. Yeah, definitely. But yeah. Um, you know, they, they all laughed. They're like, hey, Sarge, uh, you know, you ever tried dip before? And I'm like, we're at, I remember we were out at the range and uh, and we did like, they're like long cuts or something like that. Yeah, Copenhagen. Oh, yeah. I mean, like, dude, it was, it was, <laughs> it was, for me, it was when I was a private in Ranger Battalion and they found out I'd never dipped before. I didn't even know what the hell it was. Real, uh, by now I knew because I was assigned to my unit and I'd seen other guys doing it, but. Uh, they found out I had never dipped before, and they were like, oh, Murphy, this is some entertainment here. <laughs> and they gave me Copenhagen snuff, which is like the strongest uh, you know, type of tobacco there is for that. And, uh, oh, my God, it, it almost killed me. Wow. Yeah. It, it's funny because uh, I met some of the Bat Boys. Uh, I, I never got introduced to, like, you know, the, the, the Ranger guys until um, WLC, you know, like Warrior Leaders course. And then there's a whole bunch of bad boys I, I roomed with. And uh, I tell you what, my roommate was Hazlitt. Uh, I, kn- I knew. I, I know the name. Was, he's crazy. Uh, short white kid from, I forgot where, from somewhere down south. He's, you know, he, he was wild. And uh, I, I went to school with uh, Patton. He got killed in a, a chopper crash a couple of years ago. Well, not a couple of years ago, but... Probably in 2011, 2012. Yeah, he did like six deployments and short kid. And he said, "Hey, Poe, if you ever pull me over on Fort Benning, I'm, I'm gonna go. In, I'm going down with a fight." And I was like, <laughs> "Serious?" <laughs> I was like, "I'm not gonna pull you over." I'm like, "I don't even work law enforcement. I'm like one of the combat MPs, you know." But um, yeah, he, you know, he he's a good guy. Uh, Raymond Gonzalez, uh, a couple of guys, and then I worked with um, some of the. Um, uh, shooting instructors, uh, Sergeant First Class St. Clair. Name yeah. rings a bell. He, we, he, we're all about the same age, rel- relatively. So, yeah, I mean, I would think it's your era. Yeah, yeah. I, I mean, Hazlitt was, he, he was, uh, I mean, I want to say he was a private in my company when I left. Really? Yeah. What year was this so that you went through the Warrior Leader course? Oh, wow. Uh, I think it was 2000 and 2007? Yeah, it has to be the same guy. Yeah. It makes sense. I, I left Ranger Battalion in 2006 to go to SF. 
So, yeah, I met I met a couple of guys, uh, great guys. Just the names has been. Uh, one of them was a Brazilian guy. He got killed apparently. Um, he's a he's actually in RAS. He was a RAS instructor, uh, black belt in jujitsu, very well known. And um, he, I wasn't there, but a lot of people mentioned his name. Um, this is when jujitsu was like fairly new mm-hmm. to um, to to America, you know, to the whole UFC thing. And uh, he was a very well respected guy. He was part of like the Gracie ba- uh, you know, Baja uh, organization, and um, he had a dream of uh, you know running uh, uh, running his own school and stuff like that. And then one of my friends took over, and then they started his own Gracie Baja over there. In memories of him. Uh, but he, I know he's a RAS instructor, and um, yeah, I worked with another sergeant, sergeant first class, uh, Mag Magley Magley Toady or something like that. Another, another guy, he he's he worked with Sergeant Saint Clair, uh, Sergeant first class Saint Clair. Um, I went through the SDM course, uh, and he was, you know, he was giving some quality instructions. Pretty cool. Pretty cool. Uh, ha- so. How did you rise so far in the rank as a uh, combatives instructor to go to, as you were saying, level four, the highest that you can go? I know that you've worked with guys like Matt Larson, who we've had on before. I mean, um, it's it's funny because, like like I said, I was doing the whole drill sergeant thing as well, and then um, just competing in the combat, uh, the all army combatives, just you know, growing from there, and you know, doing jujitsu and. Um, like I know the way that you put it to me, you said like being in the army, you found your purpose. Like you found what you're great at. I remember you telling yes. me. Yes, you know, like you you're always you're always contemplating about like you know some people like to kick in doors and you know uh, and you know do other stuff. You know, progress in the ranks, uh, you know, strategic levels, and uh, some people like to you know teach. And I never in my life thought I was you know, good at teaching. And I wouldn't say I'm the best teacher, but, you know, being a drill sergeant was one of the things that I realized that sometimes producing quality soldiers is not screaming and yelling, which there is an intent for it. But, you know, I never lost my mind, uh, my my vision of being a a NCO, a non-commissioned officer, uh, is to take care of soldiers and mentor them. So I thought in my mind, that, hey, why don't I just back off from the screaming and yelling? It was definitely not my type of style. And I had great SAR majors that mentored me, you know, when I was younger and said, hey, you know, you can't be a person, you know, that you're not. People will see right through you, you know. And if you be who you really, truly are, you can improve on that, you know. And um, so, yeah, obviously on... You know the shark attacks and stuff like that. You know you're, <laughs> the knife you're, hands, yeah, the knife hands and stuff like that. You're you're going at it. Well, and I actually had fun with a couple of times. I went total Chinese accent. You know, <laughs> and my first arm cracked up. He was like, <laughs> I'm like, Private, what the fuck are you doing? I can't. I, I tell you what, one more time, you open your mouth. I stuck an egg roll in your mouth. I will deep throw that shit. You know, and, yo, oh my god, that was so funny. The privates were like, yes, Joe Sergeant, yes, Joe Sergeant. 
and uh, <laughs> and you know, it's at Fort Benning, so you know you can say whatever you want. Yeah, and, uh, not Yeah, my uh, my first son heard it, and he, at first he was like, "Who who the hell is that?" And then he was like. Drill sergeant, get over here. And we went back to the back. I was like, yes, first sergeant. And like, you know, lost the whole accent and everything. He's like, what was that? And I was like, you didn't tell me in pre-planning, like, you know, that you were to go like full, you know, fresh off the boat, you know, <laughs> at privates. And I was like, hey, I was just try- trying to have fun, you know, <laughs> like, you know. And uh, yeah, it was pretty funny because like, you know, at the, at the end of every cycle, you have privates, you know, talking about, you know, this is like when they're about to graduate, they're like, hey, you know, Joe Sar, you know, they always like, remember that time? There was a funny moment or remember that time? And there's like, Joe Sar, I forgot, there was like another Asian guy that was screaming at us and he was saying like, Kung Lao, Kung Fu kick me all the way to the fucking field over there. I never saw him again. I was like, probably that was me. <laughs> he was like, you didn't have that accent. I was like, well, you know, I don't know what to say. <laughs> when I when I when I go overboard, my accent kicks in. <laughs> that's a great you story. Know, so I have a feeling that's going to be the clip we put on Instagram. Is yeah. him doing his Chinese yeah, accent? Yeah, it's pretty I funny. I, I told him I was going to stick an egg roll in his mouth and deep throat. <laughs> yeah, I was like, <laughs> so you invented a character to be when you were yelling it. That's yeah, so it was it was fun. It was fun. Uh, so I, I told him I was going to freaking bicycle kick you, like Kung Lao kick you, <laughs> and stuff like that. It was pretty funny. Yeah. So they, and then I I used to do a thing like you know being. In Madison instructor, there. I would pick. I would. It was very risky though. But uh, I would like lay out the mats. I tell the privates like, you oh, know, this is like yeah. Starship Troopers. What makes you think you're good enough? Yeah. Where so you challenge your instructor. To yeah, apply. yeah, yeah. So that's what I do. I, it's very risky because like sometimes I pick one of the biggest dudes, and all he did was eat cornbread for a living, and like you know he's like <laughs> 290 pounds. And I'm like, all right, private, listen, I'm gonna fight you. <laughs> And then I'm done, like, choking him out and stuff like that. I was like, all right, guys, listen, it's not about the size, all right? <laughs> it's all about technique. <sighs> I need a break. <laughs> I'm like, everybody get a water break. <laughs> I'm like, never again. I'm like, damn. My wife would be like, I think you have, like, spinal injury. <laughs> Which, by the way, I should mention, because you mentioned your wife, you're kind of a rarity as a guy who met your wife really young in the Army Still happily married. Oh, really? Yeah. Half um, Chinese, half white kids. And yeah, I know. Little hybrids too. running around, yeah. So. <laughs> I see them at UFC. Yeah, <laughs> yeah I mean, uh, I told him, you know, this is white America. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> you know, you need, need to blend in. So if you're not claiming Asian, just claim you're white. <laughs> but I feel like that's a, it really is a rarity. I mean, so many guys on the podcast, it's like an abundance of guys who have been divorced or, you know, you, I mean, you met your wife when you pretty much joined the army, right? Yes, um, we met in Korea. I was actually, yeah, I was in Korea, stationed in Korea. And, um, you know, you know, they always, uh, this is like not politically correct radio station, right? We're the, we're, has anything <laughs> we've done been politically correct? Right. Be, real. Be, real. <laughs> Be real. I mean, uh, you know, they, back, in, back in the day in the army, they say, you know, when female joins the army, they're either, you know, a lesbian or, you know, they, they, they're, you know, they're Bush, you know, like they're, they're, you know, there's only a few selective uh, that are. I, I don't want to say the other word, but you know, they're, you know, even a lesbian or the the like slut or yeah, okay. you know, what I mean? you said it. Yeah. <laughs> uh, you know, it, there's only a few. So you know, I well, 
my first thing when I met, no, she's going to kill me when she hears this. But, <laughs> That's the beauty of this podcast. But, but you know, like, uh, you know, you're in Korea, there's not much selective few females in, on base and stuff like that. And then she's always hanging around. And I didn't know what she's, you know, up to. And I was like, damn, you know, I'm, you know, she's either off the market, you know, she had a boyfriend or a husband or uh, back home. Or she's, you know, a lesbian, or you know, she sleeps around. One of the, one of the three of that a gamble, and then um, didn't know she was interested. But you know, I, I used my charm, and and I, I wheeled her in. I thought she was a, le- I, I thought she was not into my gender, you know, that type of gender. So I was like, okay, she's always around females. And I was like, okay. Um, but there was a, a a club called Bentleys in 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 Yongsong, uh, like the Dragon Hill Lodge, which is a really nice uh, place, but talk about Korea, they have a curfew. So once you're done with the Cinderella curfew, which is like midnight on weekdays, and then 1, o'clock, 1 a.m. In, uh, on weekends, you come back to po- uh, you come back to post. If you get caught outside the post, you get an Article 15 and you're, 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 you're done. It's automatic. And uh, so we always go back to Bentley's and party a little more. And um, yeah, I met her there. She's, uh, she's military police as well. And then uh, when she... PCS to Fort Benning with me. She was MPI. She went to um, Special Reaction Team School, uh, which is like more of like the our, our military SWAT version. Uh, did really well in that, and then uh, she's now in the hiring process of you know being a police officer as well. She's into fitness and everything. But you guys have even competed. But well, you yes, you yeah, competed we, we as competed, what uh, physique, physique competitor. And, and she, what, what has she been? Figure uh, or bikini? Uh, bikini, and she's trying to go figure. So she's trying to bulk up a little more. Um, but she, we we used to CrossFit. Oh, I was a CrossFit. Uh, I was a CrossFit coach out of Fort Benning. Um, you know, I worked with uh, great guys, great first sergeant. It's you've um, done kind of everything in the fitness realm. I really do feel like you've done that's what actually thing. You've done martial arts. Yeah. You've done uh, CrossFit, which, which is kind of cool that you've experienced all of it. Yeah, because uh, you know, like I said, being a being a drill sergeant. And then being exposed to like you know these ranger guys, you know, big ass heads, you know. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> but uh, you know, like it's funny because like you know that's the only time like uh, 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 that I felt like I I control you, you know. Like when I was a CrossFit coach, you know, I, I, when I first started, I started a CrossFit Sacrifice out of Fort, you know, in Columbus, Georgia, and then I went to uh, uh, CrossFit Inception and worked with a, a former Marine, Lex. Uh, he was, you know, my partner in crime in uh, CrossFit Inception. And um, the Ranger guys would come in there thinking, you know, I'm hot shit, you know, and then go in there and do Murph and all that stuff. And, you know, I mean, they're great, you know, different type of, you know, fine specimens, you know, <laughs> but uh, the, the mentality is great. But, you know, we could still break them, you know, just uh, pushing each other on uh, doing these wads, uh, workout of the day. And um, but yeah, the fitness part—it's—it's uh, it's always been my thing. Um, I always find the time to work out because I feel like, no matter you're in the jujitsu portion where everybody say it's a lazy man sport, you know, as 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 unfit as you can, and you're just trying to use technique. The person you know that's you know just as fit and just as aggressive and just has the fight in them can still beat you. You know, at the end of the day, so I always think fitness is a very important. Um, taking care of yourself is very important, and you realize that as you know you progress in the military, that yeah, you you gotta take care of yourself because you don't know how much your body can take 
at the end of the day. You know, your knees, your back, you know, we all have the same injuries for, for, for a reason. And it's very common is because we try to tough it out, tough it out, tough it out. And then, you know, you realize you're going to snap one day and then you can't do that no more. And then is it really worth it to, you know, just tough it all out? Uh, or is it really worth it to, you know, invest in some knowledge and your fitness, taking care of yourself, and then, you know, uh, self, self-care, stretch, you know, eat healthy, and then perform at your highest level and not gamble and, you know, roll the dice on when you can't take it no more and just have that pain, you know, that's like a back pain. And, you know, uh, wouldn't, wouldn't, wouldn't you agree with that? Yeah, I mean, I think the, the military has a tendency to kind of use guys up, use and yeah. abuse them in that sense. Um, and especially if you're a special operations soldier or infantryman or in any of these yeah. sorts of high, uh, high impact physical jobs, um, I think, you know, the military itself should, but failing that the individual should learn about taking care of themselves and taking care of, uh, their body and injuries and things like that so that they can, if they choose to do their 20 years in the military, um, if they want to remain in that job and, and go all the way through it, and then hopefully still not be dead and crippled when they get yeah. out and, and be able to play with their kids. Exactly. Um, yeah. yeah. So I think, yeah, we need to get better at that. Yeah. I mean, um, and that's just and not even the military, even like I said, you know, where my current job is, you know, we, we have to have that, you know, that mentality that, the, of, you know, taking care of yourself, you know, no doctor has the magic wand to fix you where it is like a good, it's been a 15, 20, you know, 15, 10 to 15 year, you know, um, of habit that you didn't break, you know, there's no magic wand to that. You know, it's all, it's that little investment, that one hour investment at the gym, the two hour investment at the gym, or even just stretching, foam rolling, uh, which foam rolling is not, you know, uh, not the, the a quick fix, but, you know, something to like, to even get looked at, you know, like I, I, I always have that, you know, tough it out mentality. And then until I saw like a PT and uh, a sport, you know, a sport therapist, and he was like, you know, you've been posture, your posture, you're, you've been standing wrong for the past, you know, three, four years. So you have an anterior pelvic tilt. And I was like, what is that? You know, it's like your, your tilting of your hips and stuff like that. And I was like, so it's like, you know, when you realize that, you know, when you stand on a foot post or something like that, you know, make sure you stand upright and squeeze your butt. And I was like, squeeze my butt. Now I realized that I was like, oh, shoot. You know, I wasn't. I'm being lazy. And then, like, that belt really is killing me. And then really, you know, slowly, slowly your, your body starts getting tightened up. And that's when you built that interior pelvic tilt. And then just to have that knowledge of what's, what's causing your body to have this pain is already a fix, you know. And that's why I'm so into fitness. It's still, I'm still learning. I'm still reading. I'm still, you know, watch, you know getting advice from, you know, uh, pro- professional bodybuilders and even some coaches. Uh, and you've even worked with some guys, right, who were in, like, the Olympia physique. Yeah, I, I, you know, I'm in that community as well. Uh, know, know a bunch of people over there. And, uh, yeah, it's just just that that body belt of building realm is 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 a whole different monster well, it's, you know? it's good advice for the military but uh especially good advice for nypd based on some of the guys i saw coming in here today <laughs> like oh man you yeah take care of yourself buddy <laughs> yeah i mean you know it's 
you know, we had a couple of articles about that. Uh, his, even on the, the news. Uh, are you mentioning? Because are you thinking? Because I remember you commented on that guy who was suing the NYPD for yeah. getting fat. Is that yeah. what you're referring to? Yeah. Okay. I mean, like you know, it's it, it's a shame. Um, but you know, it, and him claiming that you know he's a marine and stuff like that. You know, in all honesty, as like a, a as an NCO and you know living that type of you know leadership mentality, it's like hey, you know. I was always taught, don't find excuses, find a solution, you know, and uh, I always try to mentor my soldiers as well, you know, come to me with a solution, don't give me an excuse, and when, when you have that, you're, you're, you tend to think differently and have a different approach on, 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 on your problems, so, you know, that seems more like an excuse to me than, you know, you're telling me that you don't have time to jump on a treadmill or, or Stairmaster. For 20 yeah, minutes. Yeah, for 20 minutes, you can burn, you know, at a high intensity, you can burn, you know, four or 500 calories on a Stairmaster. The I, gym we go to has has a pretty heavy law enforcement uh, community yes. there. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. There's a lot of guys I see there. There is, there is. And like I said... That are big, that are like built big dudes, yeah. you know, like none of them are out of shape. And there are, there are a lot of cops yeah. who are like serious about their physical fitness and yeah. are super I'm thinking stunts. of, of yeah. Armando who yeah. we know there. He's, he's, he's also, amazing. He's a beast. I don't even know his name but the, uh, I, I know he's a, he's a cop. The Latino dude who goes to our gym who's like tatted up and is like massive. You know who I'm talking about, I think. It's always there, but yeah. In the mornings? Or in I've seen him like at night now. At night? Uh, but Armando, Armando he still does marathons. He does marathons with like, running with a flag. He, he trains for like five hours, you know. So, you know, it's where you invest in. And sometimes just like, you know, in the military, you know, when you're a private, you know, when you're brand new in the uh, in the military, what do you do? You go out, you know, you, you drink. And like I said before, you know, to my privates, you're young, dumb, and full of cum type of mentality. And you're just like, you know, you're, you're investing in, uh, in different, you know, in your, uh, your, your focus, your priority is different. You know, and yeah. uh, and and don't get me wrong, to, you know, people um, at that age, yeah, you know, you're partying, you're living your life, you know, uh, at a fast pace, and then weekends, and then you're broke. <laughs> you know, you're. I remember what, I had one soldier that was giving, like, you know, donating sperm and do- donating plasma, you know, each month just to, you know, to live a good life, you know, to buy beer. <laughs> yeah, so. <laughs> It was it was pretty funny, but like you know, I was like, "What? You're donating all of that?" Yeah, like, when it, when it's like it's the day after payday, and you're looking at your privates. It's like Friday or whatever, and you're like, "Hey, uh, you guys want to go out and have a beer tonight?" And they're like, oh, "I can't, Sergeant. I'm broke." Yeah, like, how are you broke? We <laughs> yeah. got paid yesterday. Yeah, they're, yeah, because they're doing stupid shit. Yeah, and they're blowing it off, like you know. And then you know you and then you get privates as well, like, you know, going to going deploy, and then they go and buy like a. Uh, a $50,000 car, and then they realize that the flow of income is not constantly coming like that. Uh, Or they get like a, you know, and this is the worst, too, and leaders have to, even now, I think, has to be concerned about their soldiers, you know, financing cars. Like, I used to look at their, my soldiers and say, hey, let me take a look at what you're gonna buy, because they might slap you with like a 24% interest and yep. your car payment and your car, you're buying a Honda Civic and you're, you have like a $900 monthly payment, you know, and they're screwing you. And the payday loans yeah. and all that shit. It's and, fucked up. And you think, you know, the army is really screwing you up, you know, without, without lube. The, the guys, uh, you know, around there are just, 
you know, just as bad. So you got to be smart about that. And especially, like I said, future leaders, even like future soldiers um, should be concerned about, you know, taking advice. You might sound like a good deal and those salesmen might, because I was one of the uh, guys, I was like, you know, wow, wow, 20%. And then like I had to refinance, you know, and I was, I didn't know. It was my first time buying a car. You know, I didn't have no advice. And yeah, so I get stuck with that, you know. So yeah, it's just... Like I said, you know, priorities and where you're focused at. And I think for personally, like, you know, fitness-wise, going back on, to, uh, on the topic was, you know, one of my – I didn't want to spend money on on beer and alcohol and stuff like that. I, you know, and I just want to work out at the gym. You know, that's where I, I tend to uh, – and then I was studying for the board. I, I wanted to be a sergeant, even though some people were like, hey, you know, you're too young – you know, there's no such thing as being too young. So for all those people who's listening and s- still active, uh, there's no such thing as being like too young to, to because they're they're not focusing on, you know, they're not gonna pay you, they're not gonna you know promote you. They're the ones that's gonna hold you down. Do what you do. You know, like I was I was being discriminated by, you know, oh why are you studying for the board? Why are you working so hard? You know, I, I want to get promoted. Why why wouldn't you? You go join the military, you want to get promoted. You want to have a, a goal, you know. And I, I studied the FMs, uh, the ARs, and then went to boards and stuff like that. I made sergeant in two years, and it was it was pretty fast. But at the end of the day, it's, you know, it's what you're capable of. You know, it's at the end of the day, it's, you know, that rank kind of molds you too. Because if you're a private, they're not going to give you that responsibility. So how are you going to learn? But when you get promoted to a sergeant, they're gonna give you that responsibility, and you're gonna learn. You're definitely gonna learn. You know, it's like whether you want to yeah, or not. You want to or not, you're gonna learn. You're gonna. So it's up to you. If some people want to be like, "Hey, I'm fine. I don't want to be a. I don't want to take care of soldiers. I, I'm fine with my myself." Sure, but don't tell. Don't let anybody tell you that you can't be a sergeant and that you can't. You don't know better yet, or you don't have that experience. Well, shoot. You're going to get the experience once you get promoted. And there are those people you come across in the military who, if they can just hand out basketballs in the gym for four years, they'll do it yeah. because they don't want to do anything they, difficult. They get comfortable. Yeah. You know, and um, I feel like in the military, there's, there, there's, and, and it's just in any, any organization, you know, they get comfortable. And I don't like to get comfortable. And that's why I said I like to learn a lot of things. And, you know, being an MP and now I'm being, uh, I'm in the reserves now, but in the CA unit, civil affairs unit, you know, I've, that's a whole new ball game in civil affairs, you know, working with, you know, special operation guys and, and just deployed in certain areas and, you know, just, to see where the government is going with you know you know the foreign affairs yeah. type of aspect of it, that's a whole new ball game, you know. And you're you're really not on the ground on the ground, but you're looking at it like a you know at a strategic level or a tactical level, you know. You're like wow, this is crazy when these O six guys are talking and like they're just saying like I should be in this meeting. <laughs> I, have no idea, like, I have no clue what these guys are talking about. <laughs> I shouldn't be in this meeting. So um, uh, lunch, <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, so it's pretty funny. I, I mean, I think being a police officer really lends itself towards civil affairs, though. Yes. Um, you know, after all this type of training, like we talk about, 
you know, uh, martial arts and, like, you know, you know, learning how to do arm bars and triangle chokes and stuff like that and then takedowns. As a police officer, the most important thing is to analyze the situation, have situational awareness, and have tact. Because you can make it a really long day or you can make it a really short day but with a little bit of investment on how to talk to people. Mm-hmm. And sometimes just to talk at their level or tone it down to control that game. You know, if, you know somebody might come at you angry and upset. You have to de-escalate things. You've got to de-escalate that. And just like we were, we were taught, it's like that verbal judo of just able to analyze what's going on. Why is he or she so angry and upset? You know, and then you learn, you listen to, to that person, and then all of a sudden you just you know, digest it and then you spit it back out at a different tone, you know, you might solve that problem a lot easier, but you just have to invest in that. Right, right. Where some people is like, it's my way or the highway, you know, you're going to start, you know, uh, escalating when it shouldn't. And, you know, obviously, like, you learn that. And with the experience, you know, my military experience, it feels like it's an advantage, you know, uh, to for me to to transition over where but sometimes it's different you know in military where we could be like hey you know utilize ttp you know and like you know Uh, the rules of engagement you know so we're so you know step by step where the police is trying to uh, police force is trying to take away you know basically get away from that shouldn't be step by step it should be because if there's step that means everybody who's taught step-by-step step should go from the next option is this, where we should just be our own and learn that uh, the, the mythology of, you know, of, of, of handling a situation. Right. You know, so. Well, it's important to have these two different options, you know, in your back pocket, so to speak, to be able to, like, verbally de-escalate things. But if somebody wants to fight you, you can fight. Yeah, of course. That's, that's <laughs> what I'm saying. Like, you know, there's a couple of times I already got hands-on. Even when I first started, I got hands-on. And the whole jujitsu and the grappling aspect of, uh, of it did come into play, where I technically don't need four other police officers to help me, where I could, you know, control the hips, control his wrists, and then, and then you know, subdue you know, the, the, the aggressor or the perp. Um, I remember there was one time there was, you know, I had like four or five guys jumping on top of me. It wasn't doing any good. Any good. I'd rather you, you know, create a, a, a barrier for other people to not come in and where I can handle that situation, uh, which, by the way, my favorite move is like a knee on belly in jiu-jitsu is where, you know, because then you still have, you're not totally you know, invested your whole body weight into, you are, but you still have a good, you know, um, um, visual. You're talking about the, like yeah. in the mount position and getting on top of them. Yeah, just a knee, knee on, on, the, on, on, you know, on the torso, uh, you know, on the hips. Mainly I like to do it on the hips, control the hips and then uh, control the wrists and then still have the ability to look around and assess the situation or assess any threats that's coming at me. Um, that's one of my favorite ones because some people get so invested into like just fighting the guy or like, you know, mounting the guy and just, you know, you don't know what's going on around you. Um, and if you do have many partners and, uh, to help you, then that's great. But 
if you don't, don't get into that habit, you know, where you're, you're fighting a guy, you have him almost detained, and now you're so focused on him, you're not assessing right. if there's any more threats. That's know? what that's what Jim West would say. Like the last place I want to be is on the ground. On the if ground, I don't, yeah. if mm-hmm. I don't have to be. And that's that's another thing about combatives. Uh, when I started combatives and teaching combatives, I taught West Point guys. Uh, you know, they had nothing better to do, so they had they were prepping for Ranger School. Uh, so I would teach them level one, level two, get them into level three. And then um, and they will, there'll be lieutenants with level three, you know, uh, waiting for ranger school. So they'll have one week, two weeks of le- uh, level two, and then a whole month, you know. So you're talking about almost, you know, a month and uh, a month and three weeks worth of training right under their belt of just That's fighting, cool. and they're getting themselves in shape. And um, so every combatant instructor has to follow uh, the doctrine, you know, on, on what they can teach, but what. The myth, the the ideology of the combatives is 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 very uh, it's the same, you know, in, in some ways. But how you um, how you um, um, translate that, you know, is, is different. You know, having a martial art background and having the tactical background um, to translate that to your students is to understand that not. You know, we're not trying to tell you, hey, do a takedown and do like, you know, uh, you know, uh, 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 what do you call it, uh, a reversal or any form of like your back mounts and stuff like that and just start a bar fight, you know, and, and you would think you would get your, you know, you would kick some ass while you're <laughs> going to get your ass kicked, you know. And uh, but, you know, um, the the method of translating that is that, you know, you you learn those. Those are just tools. You know, but what I suggest when you're in a street fight or anything like that to get on the ground, not so much because we ran a couple of scenarios where it's like a two-on-one drill, three-on-one drill, just to have fun. You know, they'll wear the, you know, impact reduction blower suits and they'll go at it. And you see most of the time if you're fighting two-on-one and you go on the ground with them, you're going to end up being, you know, your, your, your survival rate is just dropped immediately because you're on the ground and now somebody can jump right on top of you or bash you over the head with get uh, behind with, with you a, with a blunt oh, object yeah. yeah you know and what we we realized that is that you know two on one or three on one the per, one person actually has the advantage uh than those three guys because if you circle around they can, so striking wise you have to have three principles of distance angles and levels and it eliminates that when there's three guys trying to fight you. It eliminates their angles of attack, you know, their their distance of attack because they're not coordinated, you know. And so you can pick one off the other because their timing is off. They can't all jump at once and, and try to fight you. But you can you can automatically tell because they're going to telegraph those attacks because one's going to come up, the other one's going to wait because he's he's attacking. The other guy's gonna watch. The other guy's gonna watch. This is like in the movies where like the huge group of ninjas attacks the hero. Yes, it's almost like that. Yeah, you know what I mean? Like so that's why the hero always wins. It's <laughs> because there's you know, they're not coordinated. No, I'm kidding, but uh but yeah, we, we did that and it's just staying on your feet, staying on your feet, staying on your feet, and the best best option is to run, you know. Like you you know, it's that's one of the best options is to hey, you know what? You know, fight another day because there's three three guys on one. But if you do, you know, you circling around, it's not gonna, it's gonna, 
most most of the time it's to your advantage. You know, they're gonna try to overreach, try to sh- you know, they try to attack you, uh, you know, by being off timed, and you can pick them off one by one if you know how to fight. And that's interesting. Yeah, it's um, it's it's pretty fun. Like I said, uh, when you get a bunch of you know guys from you know dart bat and stuff like that, and we get to you know play kidnap, you know, and uh, so we'll play like you know uh, uh, king of the hill. Uh, Battle Royale. These are all very, very dangerous games to play with a bunch of rangers. Yeah, it is. Right, yeah. right. Uh, so there's get even get, like even, regardless of their level of martial arts, it's just they're all so wired and fired yeah, up. Yeah, they, they are. They just, yeah. All they see is like you know I can't even count the points on who's who has the mounts yet. You know, it's just like my my seven year old when he does wrestling. Everybody seems to like roll around in like a ball of dust, and then they're like, okay, who just came out as a winner? You know, so yeah, they, it's like that, and uh, they they love to have fun, and you know, they make the best scenarios out of it. Uh, but yeah, hey, you know what I was going to ask you about. Um, Especially being a New York City police officer, like it, it's unfortunate. We always talk about the um, polarization in politics now, but there's definitely like a polarization in America, but especially in New York City of these people who feel like the police aren't working for us and, and these people who are just against the police force. Like, how do you deal with that? I mean, you know, because um, they, I mean, just to be specific, like you see these cases of police brutality and stuff like that. And some of them, of course, legit, some of them not, but it's replayed in the media all day long in the 24-7 news cycle, and there are those people that have the um, idea that this is all police officers. That I mean, just like, you know, just like the military itself. I don't speak for the New York City Police sure, Department, sure. but, you know, my opinion in, in this case is that, you know, just like the Vietnam War and all this stuff, you know, is... You know, we're baby killers, you know, in the military and stuff like that. And some people disagree with the wars and stuff like that. But at the end of the day, I feel like, you know, as long as you feel like you're doing your job right and you're out there helping people, and w- most of them don't see that, you yeah. know. Yeah. You know, I, there's guy, there's times that I'm over there dragging somebody who's unconscious in the middle of the street and trying to, you know, conduct CPR or, you know, get him get him a, a ambulance. You know, or, or, or splint his arm, or you know, I'm I have blood over me, and I'm trying to help this guy. Um, they don't see that. They don't see that I'm. Or you know, uh, I saw a guy that's you know like 89 years old, army vet by the way. Have every everybody in his family has passed, and this poor guy was on 37th Street, and I walked him all the way up to like 52 Street, you know, on 9th Avenue, and he enjoyed the day with me just having a conversation because he's so lonely, you know, and then he took breaks and stuff like that. I walked him, I walked him, I walked him up, but nobody sees that because you, I say this, you see what you want to see, but if, because you choose to see it, you don't see it. If you, if you don't choose, then you, you see a lot of things, but if you see hate and anger and you always pick up on mistakes, you can, you know, pick, nitpick everything that's wrong with anybody. Absolutely. You know, that whole, like, sergeant major, you know, inspection, white glove inspection during, like, barracks. If you can pick out what you want to look for, you got to get it. But if you don't, you know, you see the goodness, the good in somebody or, or, or what they, they have in them, you know, then the world will be a lot better place, you know. Yeah, I agree. Uh, but unfortunately, it's not like that. And you just got to play, you know, pick up basketball. You know, it's uh, We had this conversation about some of... Uh, I can't remember when, but recently it was with some of my own work as a journalist since I've gotten out of the military. And I've said that, 
you know, you end up working on some really dark stories about the military, some really negative things about the military. Nice. Um, on this podcast, even it's like, we, what are the things we end up talking about? A lot of times, it's not about the all the great things our military does. It's about when somebody does something bad they shouldn't have done, or when there's some tragedy, like a helicopter full of soldiers crashes somewhere. I mean, and you end up reporting on those things, uh, and it, it's unfortunate because what that those are important things to report on, but at the same time, what gets lost in that sometimes is all the great things that yeah. our soldiers do every single day. Exactly. And it's the same with the police department. When something bad goes down, that's definitely going to be reported, and it probably should be. But what gets lost in that is all the, the, the sacrifices and the service and the professionalism that also exists in the police departments around this country. Yeah. At the end of the day, we wear this uniform is to help people. You know, any, uh, you know, either, you know, even foreign and domestic, you know, um, you know, Veterans Day was passed, but you know they always say that saying is like you know never forget, never forget all the the, the good things that you know that make this country, you know, so good. You know, what I mean, like a lot of people don't agree with you know, you know, America being great. You know, I don't like to use that slogan. You know, but like you know, uh, compared to other countries, when you go to it, you know, we have it good. We have, it, and I wouldn't say like you know it's it's bad, but. You know, there's there's plus and then there's minuses. Every, every everybody's like that. You know, uh, there's the dark side of you know the military. There's the good and, side of the and military. And you have to be real too. Is being a cop ain't easy. I mean, it's a tough job. You know, you guys get get put in some really difficult situations. <laughs> you tell me, man. I get called a racist for some reason like three <laughs> times a day. I'm like, why am I racist? How am I racist? <laughs> you know what I mean? Just because I'm, you know. Yeah. And, and a funny scenario. I, I, you know, a guy that got a ticket, you know, stopped me, and he wants me to explain what's his summons about. And you know, I'm literally walking around the car showing him why he got a, a violation for, you know, for his plates. And one bicyclist rides by and goes. Give him a fucking break. I'm like, what? Just because I'm interacting, you know, and that image, that van, you know, the vantage point of him seeing me interacting with another cab driver was that I'm screwing him over, you know, which don't get me wrong. I write people summonses, you know, but, you know, that was the time that I actually like, you know, took the time and like, you know, got out of the car and just like, hey, you know, let me show you exactly why you need to remove this. This is illegal, you know, in New York. And um, he's like, okay, thank you. You know, I appreciate it. And I said, this is just an equipment violation, so it's not that, you know, it's not going to affect your points or anything. But one guy just rides, you know, rides across and immediately thinks. And You're shaking him down. Yeah, you know what I mean? Yeah. Like that I'm harassing him or, I'm, you know, I'm giving him a summons. And like I said, it's you choose to see what you want to see. Have you worked any of the, like, protests? I mean, because there's been just straight-up anti-police protests in New York City. I mean, I, I remember watching the video from uh, Times Square, right? Wasn't it from a rooftop? And they were literally chanting about something like, yay for dead cops and stuff like that. I mean, and this is not fake news. Like, no, you saw is, the raw is, footage of right here in New York City. And, yeah. you know, I, like, I know that there's those people that are in Black Lives Matter who, who are a lot more rational than that. But there definitely is a group inside there or inside the Antifa yeah, people yeah. that are just straight up, we don't need police, get rid of them. I mean, you know, at the end of the day, um, you know, we always need good men to fight, right? Um, and same with the military. But, you know, if you start taking that away, 
and trying to, you know, uh, get rid of all the people who was willing to fight for a good cause. You know, you're, you're, I think it's just, at the end of the day, it's just to build that trust again. And when we spread that hate and anger, we're not going to get that trust. We're always going to get pushed back a little bit. And I think those groups are trying to do what they can to, to keep pushing that back. And I've seen those protests. I've been in those protests. And you just look at them like, are you living under a rock? You know, like, you know, there's crimes out there. There's a, there's a lot of things that's going on out there. And if you hate us or don't trust us, you know, then it, it becomes both sides, you know, like, you know, and then we feel like they're a threat too. And you're, it's all that psychological warfare, yeah. you know, and, but the main ingredient that we're missing is trust. And we need to build that relationship back again. And like I said, I do everything I can every day on a daily basis is to help build, you know, the community and help the people. And I, I would do the same thing, you know, when I was a soldier, you know, wearing that uniform, you know, help those countries. Like, you know, you drive, you know, in Iraq, you drive by and you're like, you know, I just had a kid um, two weeks before I deployed and I'm gone for like a year and I'm, I'm a parent now, you know, and I, I feel like, oh, shoot, you know, uh, you know, I'm a father and, you know, I look at the future, the kids that I never looked at before. It was always by myself, myself, myself. And then now I'm like, wow, I got a future. I have to plan ahead. And then when you're in Iraq, you're looking at these kids. They're so, you know, so happy when they see Americans, you know, giving them food, giving them drinks, giving them water, giving them candy. And these kids are missing a limb because of a ID attack in the market, or you know, a VBID or or like a bicycle, you know, explosion, explosion, and they're missing limbs from, you know, from from those explosions. They're still, you know, putting on a smile, you know, and and just to have clean water or whatever. They are still smiling, you know. So in this case, you're you're you you humble yourself. You're like, wow. You know, I go back home, my kid is healthy, you know, has a has a mom that can, you know, a mother that's going to take care of him, you know, and it's clean water. And that's the least they have to worry about. Yep. You know, and you look at other countries the same way, you know, you're like, that's the least they have to worry about. If they if they can, they can find this, you know, the smallest things and they'll, they'll, they can put on a smile because of that. And you're like, this is crazy. But like I said, you know, those, uh, the, those people who was protesting, they might want to, you know, uh, dig deep and look and go just travel. Just buy a ticket and just travel, you know, to another country. And then, like I said, don't choose on what you want to look at, but choose on, you know, just to, to sit aside and, you know, view the world as it is and see how great we have it, you know. And, and that's that's my belief, you know, and... My dad always told me that, you know, you could read it, you could read all the books you can in the world, but if you didn't walk that one thousand miles of, you know, experience, then you're not gonna understand the world itself. You know, he said it in Chinese, so I'm trying to translate this. <laughs> into, you know, so I'm trying to translate this in English. So I'm not a Google translator, but uh, <laughs> but I'm trying to get the message across. Yeah, no, I, I I completely agree, and it's I mean, as the civilian in the room, like it's thanks to things that you guys have done. So. Yeah. So just replace that books to media or what people can control 
and then just walk that 1,000 that 1,000 miles of experience you know that country and just experience that life and then see and then come back and say hey you know what you guys suck and then I, because I seen it you know like you know <laughs> this country was great you know not America you know and, and then you tell me you know yeah. how, how it is because at the end of the day you know eating MREs for f- four months or five months you know and just be humble that you actually have food and and you know, a clean pair of underwears to wear or whatever is is pretty, it humbled me down a, yeah. lot, a lot more than what it is. And that's why I always put on a smile, you know, and you see me at the gym. And, oh, yeah. You, you know, I'm always, <laughs> I'm always, no matter, like. You're uh, in your, like, zone there. Yeah, and you know everybody. It's funny. So. Yeah. You know, like, I, and I'm going through a hard time. I don't want to sh- uh, share, but, like, I, yesterday I got the news and, you know, I've, I found out one of my soldiers uh, was killed in a, a, a car accident. Um, oh, man. It's taken too too soon. And um, just a little shout out to him, you know, Jeremy Schultz was one of my first soldiers when I became an NCO, uh, you know, uh, one of my first soldiers. And I try to, you know, always, he, he, he helped me learn. And unfortunately, he passed away. We deployed together and everything. And, you know, that kid was filled with energy. And it was, it, like I said, it was, I had mixed emotions yesterday. And today I feel like, you know, it's like, you know, you humble yourself. You know, sometimes life can be taken away just like you know, snap a finger and you're gone. And yeah, so yeah. <laughs> no, I, I hear you, man. Yeah. I mean, it's crazy to hear that news, and it, and it happens like far too often. I see it on you know my Facebook feed from from you know Jack guys that we know have been on the show in the community, and yeah, um, it starts to it's an eerie feeling sometimes. You know, so many people that you've either friends with, teammates. Uh, acquaintances, people you knew in passing, and to see how many of them have died young. Yeah. Uh, it's like, wow, man, like, why am I here? And all the, these are guys who are, like, so much better than I ever was. Yeah. I they mean, didn't make it. You know, um, that's another thing, you know, like, talking about um, huge problems, like, you know, soldiers suffering, you know. And like I said before, when I'm talking about, like, the huge transition, when I exaggerate that, was, you know, getting from the military life, and then going back to civilian life. Sometimes it's good and dandy getting that DD-214 and be like, yo, done with this bullshit, you know? And then all of a sudden it's like, wow, I actually have to work, (laughs) you know, and get a paycheck, you know? It's not the first and the 15th no more. It's like you really got to work and you got to hustle. And if you're that type of soldier that, you know, that don't realize that you have to hustle and you got to go and find a job and, and stuff, what were you doing in that? You were training, really, in that transition, yeah, right? Um, yeah, that, and then I was working in sales with the with the UFC as well. Uh, great, great. I had a great boss. He took care of me. It's cool. Um, but I was, yeah, that in the reserves. Uh, big transition, especially in the reserves, because active duty, you snap a finger, and you're like, hey, I want this, or I need the range, or something like that. I need bullets, and, and you know, you know, do some training. You get it. In the reserves, it's like, hey, you got two days to plan this out. <laughs> and you're like, what? And you're like, yeah, about that. You actually, not two days, but, you know, the range is next month. So you need to, like, call these people. And there are, and it's a weekend. So you're like, you know, who the fuck am I supposed to call? Like, you know, like, yeah, everybody's off today. Phone, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So it's like, it's, you know, I give props to them. Uh, so it's still a learning phase for me to, and they're, they're hustlers. Uh, in that case, but um, it's a hard transition, like I said, um, just to realize that you gotta w- go out there and get get a job, 
and then you're you gotta slowly get rid of that military mindset because I was getting more and more of like, hey, they don't want to be talked to like that, or yeah, you know, they don't want to, they don't want your demeanor like that, you know, and you realize that you have to flip that switch. That's where we were talking about with Todd, our our guest on the last show, about that same thing that yeah, you have to adjust your own mentality. Yeah, so. You know, sometimes those civilians, like I was a CrossFit coach, you know, and it's funny. Uh, I, I remember you told I, me the story. I, I get these, uh, I get these uh, um, complaints from to my boss and it's like, hey, Ricky, I need you to tone it down a bit. You can't just say like <laughs> 10 more push-ups. So, you know, you're like, you said these more. guys that you were get working with, though, were like Wall Street executive types. Yeah. You just wanted to, you know, so get a they workout. So they just want to get a workout. They just want a little sweat. But I was like, hey, you're not done yet. Yeah. You're on my time right now. <laughs> you know, and I'm like, you're not, they're like, no, I think I'm done. And I don't want to see you again. <laughs> like, you know, yeah. You're standing there with your hands on your hips, like one, yeah. one, one, <laughs> all the way down. Yeah, all one, exactly, two. You know? So Two. I, was like, I was like, you piece of shit. Not even one push-up was conducted at that moment. <laughs> <laughs> so, it's like some like woman in yoga pants. You don't deserve to live right now. <laughs> like you, Did you call yourself a man. <laughs> Did you earn that water? Yeah. Why are you drinking that? So yeah, I got I got complaints and they're like, hey, you gotta tone it down, you know. And then some people love that shit, you know. Yeah. Some people are like, feed me more. You know, I like to be like talk dirty, like almost like, like damn. Okay, <laughs> like you know, he like I was like, you got two more. Oh, I got two more. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> let's do this. I was like, whoa. Okay, you're getting too into it. <laughs> That's great, man. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, I mean, it's it's funny. Um, you got to change. Like you're right. You know, you got to change that mentality, <laughs> and then you gotta you gotta flip that switch. You know, you just gotta uh, do you. So uh, with all that, uh, there's a couple of more things I want to get into. Um, hey, hey, you guys look out the window. It's, yeah, I know. I can, oh, it's, wow, it's actually snowing it's in snowing. November. Yeah. Ridiculous. It is. I'm not a fan. Um, Definitely not. I want to be back in Florida. Where I'm going again, though, next really? month. Hell yeah. Should um, me. <laughs> <laughs> so I did want to talk about this article and just get, you know, the comment of you guys on it. This, is, this one is from Army Times, but as you saw, Jack, it's all over the internet today. Yeah. Uh, a female soldier has made it through the Army's Special Forces selection. For the first time since the Army opened its special operations, um, sorry, this has a giant uh, link here. Uh, but basically, it says several women have attempted the 24-day program, part of the Special Forces Qualification Course, since then, but none have made it to the next round. Recently, a female successfully completed Special Forces Assessment and Selection and was uh, selected to attend the Special Forces Qualification Course. That was told to Army Times by Lieutenant Colonel Lauren uh, Beimer, or Biner. Uh, we're proud of all the candidates who attend, but were selected to continue into the qualification course in hopes of earning their Green Beret. Uh, USA SOC dec- declined to provide the soldier's rank or her current military occupation specialty. Um, yeah, and it goes on from there. But, I mean, this is pretty big news, right? It's typical it is, yeah. Army public affairs people. They're like, yeah, she made it through. We won't tell you anything else. <laughs> but they made it. It's like, well, thanks you yeah. know, for that. I mean, there's... Uh Several questions, uh, you know, I always, that goes through my head, like a, like a checklist, you know, is this a political agenda, like a, you know, like a, a motive? Um, is it, you know, is there any form of bias in the, the cadres? Uh, any push from the chain of commands? You know, all that, and then, you know, and then you go and say, hey, you know what, she clearly earned it. Uh, I'm not saying that she didn't, 
but I always go through those checklists. You know, is there a gender to it? Just like you know how they go for yeah. like, the, the the Rangers because the uh, military uses this for like public relations. It's like PR yeah. stuff, and I mean that's not a ding against that individual soldier. Um, we talked a little while back about a woman who went through MARSOC selection, made it all the way through, and was a non-select. I mean, she's a badass, you know. I don't have anything against her at all. Yeah, I mean, nothing against her, but you know, good for her. But um, I always see that you know, just like my experience uh, myself as an instructor. You know, there's there's times that there's you we're human. We're all human. And we have, you know, if there's a connection between like, you know, I have a little rapport, you can let things slide in some ways, you know, especially in selections. And sometimes um, you know, we have that hey, give it another go and see how you feel. You know, and or or, or give, you know, or, or or I didn't see it type of thing, you know. And, and you get that in any school, airborne school, air, uh, air assault. You know, just people get DQ'd just on the layouts, you know. And you, I'm pretty sure you've seen it before. Like, sure. You know, because they have somebody else that needs that slot, you know. And, and that's the, the what we call the, the dark side of the military because we're all human. We all have, you know, people who need favors and stuff like that. But that, you know... Um, me personally, um, just like my wife, I think that you know, if you put your heart into it and work into it, you can make you can make it as uh, you can make you could be what you want, you know. And for her, I think that um, in the Green Beret or in the Ranger Battalion, I don't think a selection should be uh, based off. I think the, 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 the requirement itself shouldn't be set by how strong you are or how much uh, how heavy a rucksack can be for you to march uh, where it eliminates women. You know, do you uh, agree with this? That picture. Because n- now let me let me let me go further with that. Where I'm going with this is let's just say martial arts, my my specialty, right? You think you know Ronda Rousey can kick your ass? You're asking me? Yeah. Oh, yeah, absolutely, I would say. So, you, you know, like, take a couple of girls, you know, Holly Holmes and all of them, you think they could kick your ass. They can, right? So what makes them a badass? You know, do you think a, a female, if you give them a gun, you know, you give them a weapon and tell them to shoot, you know, you see some AMU, uh, you know, female marksmen, they're hitting targets, you know? So what disqualifies them from being a Green Beret if they are... Better shooter than you, better fighter than me, and smarter than you, right? Because of they can't ruck with a hundred and fifty pound rucksack for forty miles or thirty miles. It's, uh, I mean, it, some people will say, yeah, it's a throwback, but I mean, even in Iraq, I mean, I think I was weighing like carrying ninety pounds of equipment on my body between body armor and everything else. Um, so I, I don't know if you can eliminate it. But I, I definitely see the point, and I think there's definitely a role for women to play in special operations. Of course. Yeah. That's, that's where I'm trying to get at, mm-hmm. is that, you know, uh, if it's tailored, if, we're, if special ops is tailored, right? It shouldn't be just about carrying a rucksack. Exactly. Yeah. You know, if it's tailored, then uh, that person who's specialized in something should be tailored to her, her. You know, so maybe 90 pounds of equipment, she could probably handle it, 
you know, but can it be a different type of equipment? Yeah, maybe because she probably plays a different role. That's what uh, that's know? what Mark Boyat said when uh, when I talked to him. He was the third that. special forces group commander, and he was like, "We have got to find a way to get women on ODAs." And maybe they're not actual Green Berets. They don't actually go through all the same training we did, but they went through, you know, eighty percent of it. And yeah, maybe she can't carry that rucksack as far as I can, but. There are all these other things she can, can do, do. Yeah. that I can't do. So that's that's what I'm saying. It's like yeah. it doesn't it doesn't you don't judge that character by how far they can ruck with that heavy rucksack, you know. Because there's other things they there's bring to other, the table. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Well said, so, man. Um, we have some emails sent to softrep.radio at softrep.com. We haven't heard from Gene Farnsworth in a little bit. You know what? He sends voice memos, but I don't get to all of them. Here's a recent one. All right. Love so this this guy sends us voice memos. He's a all the retired time and, sailor. Yeah, great dude. So let's uh, hear this one. Greetings, my soft rep shipmates. Gene Farnsworth. He's got a here, great voice. USN retired. Finally got to do some catching up on my soft rep podcast. I think, like most people, I really, really, really enjoyed listening to Dale Comstock. And kind of hear his version of the cluster fuck <laughs> over in the uh, Middle East, and his version of events versus the media. Um, quite interesting. I always like to listen to that guy, and then uh, listen to Benny. That was a quite interesting conversation. I could see where her and Jack may have some clashes ahead <laughs> in the future. And I laugh at that. Been there, done that, and it's all survivable. But I really congratulate you on episode 400 coming up. Pretty fucking amazing. So I guess you recorded this before. I've been with you since, I don't know, single digits. And uh, always find interesting. Always find the uh, articles written on your website pretty fascinating i love seeing other vets views and opinions and many times facts of what's going on worldwide always interested when those views and facts conflict so strongly with all of the uh, mainstream media whether it comes out of europe or the united states and with all that i will continue to wish you fair winds and fallen seas and again congratulations Gene out. <laughs> Thank you, Gene, and uh, happy Thanksgiving, man. Uh, it's awesome to hear from him. Er, did, did you ever tell the story about Gene giving us the moonshine? I, I don't know if I was a part of that. You were a part of it, whether you know it or not, because I gave you a mason jar of moonshine to take oh, home for I did, me. Yes. That was Gene? Yeah. I'm pretty sure it was Gene. If I, I, unless, I don't think I ever met Gene in person. So Unless my mind has completely I remember taken the moonshine. Yeah. I do remember that. And the bottle How do you not breaking. you moonshines? <laughs> I remember the bottle breaking in my bag, getting all over the place. I'm almost well, you positive. You wasted it? It, it? I guess I just didn't wrap it well in my bag. Oh and Because uh, Jack... You, you had one, and then you gave me one to bring home. Right. And the thing exploded all over my bag from probably, Las Vegas. I probably should have mailed it. I, he also he gave me that, and he also gave me the cinnamon moonshine. And he's like, here, take this. This will make the panties drop. <laughs> <laughs> I, I mean, this was like my first year at Safrop, so I was only a few months in. So I may, it's possible I didn't even I'm, know I'm Gene pretty, was I'm pretty time. sure it was. And, and Gene, if I'm wrong, I'm sorry. Uh, I'm pretty sure it was him giving me the giving me moonshine. I feel like I've never met Gene, so that's I, I mean I feel like I would have remembered that, but interesting. Okay, cool. Thanks as always, Gene. And then another email sent to us. I thought this was pretty cool. 
um, hey, I'm a listener of the podcast and have been, I'll say the first name, Lee, you know, I never know if they want to say the full name. Uh, I'm a listener of the podcast and have been for four years now, currently studying international security in DCU, Dublin City University in Ireland. Would just like to let you guys know, we had a class a few weeks back on American mercenaries and our lecture linked us to the article of the Yemen raid in which Dale Comstock was featured. I thought it was fantastic and emailed the podcast to my lecturer. She then went ahead and emailed it out to the whole class and is making everybody listen to it. Great job. Keep up the good work. I never thought that our podcast would be like wow, assigned in a way. Because this is, as you can tell, this is so casual. There's nothing academic about this. But as you said, I mean, we're getting a perspective from a guy right. that very few, I mean, it was exclusive to us. And, and there, I know there have been like college courses where they cite um, articles I've written. So cool. um, I, I know there are like also veterans programs where they've cited um, articles I've written about like my experience going to college. And they'll say, this is an example of what not to do when you go to school. Don't be like Jack Murphy and and, and do all this crazy stuff. Um, but, yeah, I mean, I think we get authentic, legitimate sources that are not talking to anybody else. And uh, and so for me, I mean, it's it's humbling and flattering that uh, that like this college course would turn to us for that kind of information. Yeah. I dig it. So I uh, appreciate it. I'm, I'm honored as well. Um, and if you have any other emails, send them to softrep.radio at softrep.com. Wrapping things up here, be sure to check out Crate Club, the long-anticipated collaboration watch we did with NFW Watches. Oh, You're wearing it? There. Nice. There, there it is. Very little, cool. little product placement. <laughs> yeah. little product I, placement. If I was behind the camera, I'd zoom in a little bit more, but maybe put it on Instagram. Uh, yeah, we have, so that's in the latest premium crate. We have different tiers of membership depending on how prepared you want to be, and gift options are available as well. I've been talking every week to Scott Whitner and all the guys from the loadout room, and they're going to provide you with 100% custom products in 2019, everything from sunglass cases, uh, EDC bags, and other manly products. It's a club for men, by men. You can check that all out at crateclub.us. Once again, that's crateclub.us. If you're a dog owner, it's funny. My dad just picked, uh, posted a picture of me when we had a dog, and I miss being a dog owner. I'm not currently, um, but we have our partnership with Kuna, who is a team of trained canine handlers picking out a box for your dog each month of healthy treats and training aids. It's custom built for your dog's size and age as well. The products are U.S. sourced, all natural, and they not only promote a healthy diet, but they also promote being active with your dog. So whether we're talking a pit bull, a chihuahua, doesn't matter what type of dog, they're going to have something for you that your dog's going to love. And you can see all of that at kuna.dog. That's kuna.dog. It's efficient for you, and then your dog's going to love it. So it's C-U-N-A dot D-O-G. Taking a sip of water as I'm saying all this. Um, and then the last thing, of course, I want to mention is the Spec Ops channel. Um, people always love all the inside the team rooms, and they're like, where are all the, those? And you can see those now at the Spec Ops channel, specopschannel.com. Uh, I mean, we did the inside the team room with the Green Berets, Navy SEALs, cut from the same cloth, uh, then the Intel guys. So we have that. We have a training cell, which follows former special operations forces as they participate in the most advanced training in the country, everything from shooting schools, defensive driving, jungle and winter warfare, climbing, and much more. So all that stuff you're going to get for only $4.99 a month, limited time, uh, specopschannel.com. 
and there's also the app for that. There's the app for Soft Rep Radio, softrepradio.com. We now have the website up with where you can see the videos when we put them up and all that stuff, and you'll get it first before anyone else. Um, I guess with that, man, I'm glad that we finally did this. This has been awesome. And uh, I don't know. Do you have any social media you, you could promote or... I mean, it's up to you. Not really, but, um, you know, my Facebook is just for a private, you know, just for... That's, yeah, that's cool. Or, you don't um, have to promote anything. Just if you want to, usually people... <laughs> or if you're, you know, I guess if people want to train with you on Long Island, they could possibly do that. Your, your yeah. schedule is pretty packed pretty these tight. days. Yeah, it's hard it's for just, me to train with you, and I try, but... <laughs> yeah, well, you gotta you got to reach out to me. I, 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 I do, and then... <laughs> but, but then, I, you know, your schedule's kind of crazy in that I go there, and then you're with your wife a lot of time, you're with your kids, so, like, I don't want to bother you. Yeah, no, just, you know, anytime then I'll, I'll, I can move my schedule around. That's all basically it. Cool. You know, but... Awesome. Thanks so much for coming on. It's been really interesting. Yeah, it was very interesting, you know, uh, sharing my experience, and, you know, and, you know, it's, uh, as long as, you know, everybody's uh, can get the message across, you know, that's, I think that's why I actually came, is trying to, you know, at least get a message across that, you know, there's a lot of good people out there, you know, uh, even if you're you know, a regular police officer like me, you know. Uh, <laughs> oh, it's so, awesome. It's, it's a, you have a unique perspective on, on things from your a unique background. So, I mean, I think it's really cool. I'm glad you, we could have you on today. Thank you. Thank Appreciate you. it, man. SoftRepRadio.com. As always, guys, at SoftRepRadio on Instagram and Twitter. We also have the Facebook page up. And uh, once again, if you want to email us, SoftRep.Radio at SoftRep.com. Signing out. Thanks, guys. Appreciate it. Listening to Soft Rep Radio. New episodes up every Wednesday and Friday. Follow the show on Instagram and Twitter at Soft Rep Radio.